Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We are on an amazing series and um, it's been incredible for me. I've preached the book of Galatians before, but I've absolutely loved getting into the Word of God and, and devouring the Word of God and allowing the life of the truth of the Word of God to break in at every level. And I would like us to start right up front by reading Scripture from chapter 5, picking up from where we left off last week. And if you missed last week, basically this was the message, that freedom is a big thing. And, and chapter 5 starts like this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So this issue of freedom is not just a big thing in the gospel, it's a big thing to our world. It's a, the world has a perspective of what freedom looks like. It's I get what I want, when I want it, how I want it, with no consequences. That's what freedom looks like. Every young person wants the biggest salary with the least hours and, and the ability to travel the world and um, don't actually expect anything from me. It's kind of, that's the freedom life. And... It's not the gospel way of freedom. And so we presented four things that the gospel has set us free um, from, which is important. The first one is we are free from, it's all about me. And justification says this, I didn't do anything. All I did was receive his grace, receive his blood, receive the washing of his love. And actually he did it all. It's all on Jesus. My entering heaven, my walking with Jesus, my ability to have God, the Spirit of God inside of me, it's on Him. It's not about me. So I'm freed from the disease, disease called, it's all about me. It's a disease. Secondly, I'm freed from being ruled by sin. It doesn't mean I don't struggle with sin. It doesn't mean there's not a battle at hand. There's always a battle. In every person, there will be a battle. And we'll touch on that tonight a little bit more. But I'm not controlled by it. I'm not mastered by it. I'm not the guy that says, actually, lust and pornography got me so hard, I could not stop, and I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. No, we no longer have that excuse. We are no longer controlled by our sin. We have the authority of heaven in our lives. We are freed from spiritual bondage. We don't live the people going to bed, I hope I was good enough for God today. Every other religion is working really, really hard to please their God, really, really over life, so that in heaven one day they can enjoy eternity with Him. Our religion says this, right at the beginning, it's all done. Sleep peacefully. That's the gospel. It might seem too good to you. It used to seem way too good to me. I was like, never. Come on. But I've seen too much. I've seen the grace of hand, God... Break into every scenario, every situation. And it has to break the, the idea of I live under guilt in my life. If you're a believer today and you struggle with guilt, I'm telling you, take a hold of the truth of God and allow it to set you free. Because you were made for freedom. And the last thing is it sets us free from the fight against spiritual authority. We live in a world where authority is automatically a bad thing. We live in a world where authority is something we always kick against because authority will let us down. And they have let us down in many, many ways. But there's a biblical authority that brings life and health and freedom. First of all, the authority of the Word of God in our life. Then the authority that He puts us into a family and He had a design and a plan all along called the local church. And then to go out with His authority. We aren't those who kick against authority because then we'll never operate in it. And God's called us to operate in his authority. How cool is that? We get to partner in a very amazing story. And then we ended by saying, actually, it's not only about what we are free from. If we keep our eyes looking back, well, I'm free from guilt. I'm, I'm free from control. I'm, I'm, look how free I am from this. No, that's not what you were set free for. 
You were set free to worship Him. All the way back to Exodus. Let my people go so they can worship me. God is jealous for our hearts. This whole gospel of Galatians is for our hearts. The freedom God is fighting for is the freedom of our hearts, not what the church looks like. And you've seen the post, and I've seen the post, and it's like, um, it's, it's, there's hypocrites in the church, and there's all these things. I'm going, well, the reality is they're on a journey, but I want to tell you God's not embarrassed. He's not embarrassed by you. He's not embarrassed by your slipper. He's not embarrassed by your mess up. He loves you. And he gave his son to die that you can walk free from the guilt and the shame of that action. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's unbelievably beautiful. And this morning I'd like to read as we carry on from verse 13, just a few scriptures, as we enter into a new stage. Paul starts out and there's this first section where he, he clarifies and reemphasizes his authority as an apostle because there's been some accusations against him. And then from about chapter 2, halfway through, till the, this section we've just finished, he goes about presenting the gospel in the most amazing way and he's fighting against these false teachers. And now he says, well, how do you do this? He calls it life by the Spirit. So I'd like to read from verse 13, chapter 5. You, my brothers and sisters... We're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Wow, Mark, it's getting very technical. I thought we were free from the law, now there's a new law. I want to introduce you to my title. I think it's a good one. Don't always have good ones, but I think a preacher should have a good title. What do you think? You know when your kids like, like we were 90s kids and, and you'll say, well, that was so like 80s or 90s. You make that statement. Today's title is called Circumcision is So 2017. But you need to say it like a teenager. I wish I could get my teenager. Like, Circumcision is so 2017. You're right. Everyone okay? Yes, we're talking about circumcision again. And um, because it's a big issue for Paul and it's a big issue for this context, but I want to give a little picture to you and I'm going to come back to it later. And this is the picture. We go to Durban and my, my kids love the water, but they have a threshold in Cape Town, even with wetsuits and, and whale oil smeared all over them. And we don't do that. But, um, but, but they love the beach. We go to Durban, literally we cannot get them out the water. But on the first day or two, they're running and they're jumping. It's like freedom to them. They can do whatever. They can do flick back handstands. They can lie in the sand and go up their nose. They can do whatever they like. It's called freedom to a four, six, and eight-year-old. But there's a journey in that freedom. And the journey looks like this. It's me on the first day standing on the right side of the beach because there's a hectic wash all the way across the beach. And they need to keep going and enjoy, 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 get out and come back. Go back in again. Get washed all the way. And they keep their eyes on me. The only way they know that they are safe is they keep their eyes on me. They all keep looking to me. By day three or four, they no longer need me. Because they know the spaces. They know the environment. They're walking free. And they keep going and they do the same thing without having to keep their eye on me every second. 
But to them, it's freedom. To them, it's joy. There's laughter. There's a lot of shouting and no neighbors to hear it. It was incredible. And, um, and, uh, but they are having the time of their life. I want to jump back into this. Because Paul is on about this thing called freedom. And it's not what we like to do. Some, oh, I'm being free to do whatever I want. No, you haven't, sir or ma'am. You've got freedom in the one place the world cannot give you freedom, which is deep down in your heart and into eternity. And that pulls you into a glorious story. A glorious, glorious story. So here's a challenge and here's a question. How do you promote godliness in your life and in mine if you take the rules away, the laws away? How do you promote? How do you do it, Mark? It's a big question. And I trust as we're going through Galatians that's challenging you. You're causing yourself to say, well, why do I do this and not this? Why do I pursue this and not this? Why do I have these disciplines? It's a good thing to do. Go on the process. Pursue God. Pursue His Word. And I promise you it will lead to life and land in life. That's why we preach it with such passion. But I want to say that, that many would say and, 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 and that actually there's, in the preaching of Galatians there's not enough emphasis on sin, Mark going to talk about sin more. You've got to remind people of sin. Well, I'm just preaching the text. So, ma'am, there's a much wiser guy named Paul, the apostle, who understands sin radically. He was the worst of sinners. The worst. He would persecute and beat. And he encounters the grace of God and says, actually, it wasn't my ability to walk free of that. It wasn't my ability to abide by all the rules. It was an encounter with Jesus that turned my life around and gave me the ability to walk forward. He was walking this way. He encounters Jesus on a destruction journey. He encounters Jesus. The Spirit of God fills him. He turns this way and walks a completely different life. Now the reality is, and this is what Michael Eaton says. He passed away this year, an incredible man who fought for the gospel, who moved from England to go preach in Kenya, Nairobi for 30 years of his life. <clears throat> I really need some water. I haven't sung in a while. Sorry. Thank you for that encouragement, Michelle. And this is my challenge. It says, any gospel that does not get this accusation, and the accusation in the context of an incredible book called No Condemnation, is that there's not enough emphasis on sin in his teaching and preaching, is not really the gospel. If a person is preaching salvation by works, no one will ever accuse him of licentiousness. I can think of certain popular preachers who would never be accused of promoting looseness, but then they do not teach salvation by the grace of God. If no one would ever dream of saying to you, you are encouraging sin, then you are not preaching Paul's gospel. Hi, boy. Some of you are like, what are we doing in this church? What are we doing here? Stay with us. Give me a few moments. Everyone breathe. But Paul presents another way of life as opposed to sin management. You know, and, and if, if, if someone's struggling at work, what you do is you performance manage them. Every detail, every line item for four weeks, for four months, and then if they don't make the grade, it's out. That's the way of the world. It's put boundaries, put limitations, put targets. You hit the target, you make it, it's all good. Paul's saying there's a better way than managing your sin. There's a better way. It's called life by the Spirit of God. Inside of you, transforming you, taking you on the most incredible journey. And he says this, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Let me just tell you this. Freedom is something that you've got to respond to. Freedom is a call. People say, I want to know what God's calling for my life is. I'll tell you, freedom. Deep, deep down freedom. Freedom to walk away from that which mastered you in the past. Freedom to walk away from guilt and shame. Freedom to pursue righteousness. To pursue it. 
oh no, but I thought I didn't have to do anything. No, you've got to leave that and pursue. Because understand this, there will always be something going for your heart. Always. And the challenge is freedom is daunting for many. And I read this incredible article of a man named Mr. Murphy, who was in, in jail for year after year after year. And then he got his freedom. He walked straight out of jail, tried to pull off life, couldn't pull off life. So he went and held up a store and made sure that he got caught because he couldn't handle freedom. Because he was so used to the confines and the sl- of, the, of, the, of the prison. I would say to you, I think there are many believers who walk that road sometimes. That we, we struggle with the navigating, the pursuit of a relation with God, so it's easier to fall in line with some rules. And as long as I appease the rules, I feel like I'm pleasing God. I want to tell you that's exactly what Paul is talking about. I want to tell you that that's circumcision in 2017. Circumcision was just a contextual reality to a cultural people at that time. It was a big thing for them. There's some big things for us which we protect, we fight, and we do or don't do, and we celebrate our religious holiness because of our doing or our don'ting. You're looking at me very serious. I feel like I need to just walk backwards slowly and just out the back door and go play with the kids. Is everyone okay? It's an incredible thing. Anyway, Mr. Murphy, read his story. But, but including Christians, we have walked a long time. And God says, actually, Ephesians 4, you were taught to put off the former way of life. You were taught, put off the former way of life. There's some effort in that. Your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to not put on the, on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness. You were created in an image. There's a mold for your life. There's a mold for your habits. There's a mold for your two-in-the-morning thoughts. There's a mold. It's called the Father, who you were created in His image. And if you're saying, I don't know how to get there, I don't want to navigate because every time at 10 o'clock my mind starts running and the lights go down and no one's watching. No, that's exactly when you were created to be like Him. Because you are called to pursue Him. You are called to worship Him, not just on a Sunday. You are called to enjoy His presence in your life. And that presence and that exhilaration of intimacy with the King of Kings is exhilarating. It's the gospel. I want to say, living free from guilt. And and this is not just Michael Eaton's story. This is the gospel, Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Can you say no condemnation? Can you say it like you mean it to yourself? Preach it to yourself. No condemnation. It's a radical thing to get. We have to go on a journey out of the prison, but then we've got to keep walking. Can't camp at the gates of the prison. Can't say, well, I've got my freedom. I'm just going to camp here. Just going to camp. Now, he wants us to go on a journey. And I want to, this is the question I want to challenge quick. Can this freedom be mis- misused? Can it be misused? Sure. It says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. The message says, just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. It says, rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Freedom is not an entity we protect. Jesus gave me freedom. No, freedom is put in my heart because freedom is Jesus. 
And he says, I want you to allow it to grow, which it grows when we pursue him. This is real. This is life. I want to, I, and I don't know about you, when I first got my license, I was that kid. Got it at the end of matric. And my crazy parents decided to trust me. Bad call. And, um, and, and we went out one night, and I, had, I was a boarder, so we went home, and my dad said, okay, here's the keys, you can go out. I'm like, you're joking. Okay. Get in, mates. And we went, and it was a three-liter Cortina Bucky. Literally, you can't touch yourself in that thing. It's like a tank. And, and we went out, and on the town, I've got eight, and we're just driving. We didn't stop anywhere. like drive past the, the jaws. Just driving, just enjoying freedom. This is freedom. I can go anywhere I want. I can go to KFC, Nando's, and Rotti's, Johnny Rotti's up the road if I want to. I can go all of them. I got wheels. So we're driving, and then freedom looked a little different as well to my mate, Greg Lucy, who had his learners. So here's, we debated, and he said, well, I've got learners. You're my driver. This is perfect. Perfect opportunity. So I said, actually, it's amazing. We are free. So we get and we swap over and, and we tell the other guys, you know what, Greg's still learning, so why don't you jump out, which was a good call. Good call. So Greg goes along Vaughs Road and, and he starts working those gears. Whoa! But it's like, Whoa! he's been playing Nintendo too long and the revs have got to go to about 6,000 before he changed gears. But he didn't get very fast and didn't get into many gears before he was so focused on the steering that he didn't see a huge pile of sand that had been earth moved for a construction site and was into the road. And I saw the sand and I saw Greg and I saw the sand. It all happened very slowly because freedom was in my heart. And he plowed into this mountain of brown sand in a white Ford Cortina Bucky and it stopped instantly. We both stood there for a second contemplating our freedom. Because it needed to be contemplated. And then we looked around. We're like, okay. We heard people shouting. We couldn't really see them. We were covered in sand. And then they started scraping the sand away. And we pulled the car out. Fortunately, it wasn't that bad. We could ding a few things. And it already had a few touch-ups. So, but there was sand everywhere. And I learned a quick thing about freedom. It's something we walk in we live in we can drive but we can also drive into sand heaps and um not a deep story but a helpful one i think um but freedom has to be used in the right way and it says do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh it says there's no longer an issue and and the issue is no longer fight for freedom but how do we use this freedom to stay free and maintain our freedom what's the grid what's the paradigm what, what are the helpful hints surely there's an instruction guide mark well there is an instruction guide but there's an instructor as well. And he says this, he, he sums it up in this, says actually, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. There's the key. You want to maintain your freedom? Serve one another. That serve comes from the root word doulos, which is the root word of slave. Become a slave out of love to one another. And watch your freedom grow. Oh, Mark, that's a bit deep and a bit heavy. No, in, in Romans 13 verse 8, it says this, let, not death, let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Let every other debt fall to the wayside, except for this one debt that you owe to Jesus, because he gave his life on a cross for the world, he came and died for you and I, who didn't deserve it, as Tyler read that scripture. On that cross he died and demonstrated there is one law that brings ultimate freedom. It's the freedom to give myself away. 
the law of love. Freedom doesn't look like driving cars at fast speeds or motorbikes or money in the bank. Freedom looks like giving yourself away for others. And the obligation still remains. And it's not about the regulations of fabrics and foods and festivals that these people in Galatia were wrapped up in. Paul's opponents are saying that grace isn't sufficient. It's not a sufficient guide to walk you on this road. And Paul is saying that the solution to sin slavery is not law slavery. It's being enslaved to another, Jesus, in love for what he loves. I'm still a slave. I'm still got a master. I'm still got someone, but I'm not a slave. I'm called a son who gets to walk out that fullness in freedom and life and it's liberty and it's glorious. And what we find is when we do that, we access the resources of heaven in our lives and we go on a journey called maturity. Christians don't get stuck in church for 30 years frustrated because they're not growing in knowledge. No, knowledge keeps growing. But wisdom and maturity are different. Wisdom and knowledge are not the same. God's called us to go on a wisdom and knowledge journey. Just read the Proverbs. A wisdom and maturity journey. He wants us to be like Jesus. So practically, I want to give you two examples and then we're done. The first one's easy. And I would say that could... We mentioned life groups. Could life group be a circumcision issue in the church today? Remember, Galatians were written to the church. So could it be an issue? I would say yes. So someone gets saved, they encounter a Christian. And it's this, you must go to life group. You will not grow if you don't go to life group. And Jesus, well, you just really want to encounter. You will encounter Jesus in life group. Is their heart meaning, well, yes. Is there, could there be potential and is there a well-meaning story and is there a, a potentially even a testimony in that faith and encouragement? Yes. But let me state a couple of things. As a leader in the church, do I earnestly believe in life group? A hundred percent. I think it will lead to spiritual growth and maturity. I've just seen too many examples. Do I think that life group is a huge value in growing and forming relationships? hundred percent. Do we work hard as leaders to ensure a hundred percent? But is someone's growth and maturity dependent on life group or is it dependent on Jesus? His faithfulness, his goodness, his glorious nature, his willingness to take us on a journey. And will he call us to come into community and our work that may be in something called a life group as well as many other things? Yes. But it's not dependent on the vehicle. It's dependent on the person. Is that all right? I think we've got to talk about this stuff. We've got to say, what does it look like? Circumcision is of our age. It just looks different. And I want, to, I want to take six minutes. I'd like to go a little bit longer today, if that's all right. I want to throw a hot potato in the mix. Something everyone here has a perspective on. Some of you quite passionate on either side of the fence. So I'm going to divide the room in a second. I would like to ask the question, could alcohol or drinking be a circumcision in the church? Circumcision issue. And the room goes quiet. <laughs> See, remember, circumcision is something you do or don't do because of a belief, a religious belief, that somehow your doing or your don'ting is, will result in more holiness. That's what circumcision was. It wasn't the act of circumcision. Paul is not hacked off with circumcision. He didn't have a bad experience. That's not what he's talking about. He's fighting for the hearts of the believers. There's always a fight for the hearts of the believers. There's a colossal fight in the heavenlies for the hearts of the believers. The enemy wants your heart. So, I really shouldn't be rushing this, but we're going to go anyway. So, Paul wasn't even saying that circumcision in itself is a bad thing. He's not saying that. 
He's saying actually hope placed in that act of a man or a woman in their ability to choose or not choose circumcision cannot do what only Jesus can do. So alcohol, your doing and daunting is not the issue, I would say. I would say if you walk in freedom and you have a liberty, and, and I'll explain what some of those are, and you're able to walk in that story, and I'll give some parameters to that, then you walk in freedom. And if you don't, and your freedom, then great. But please understand this, it's an emotive issue. There are different positions and stances in this church. Our nation, city, and individuals in this community have been hurt by consumption of alcohol. Please understand, I'm, I don't want to draw attention to individuals. I spent Tuesday night at Cornerstone Farm where people have walked through a rehabilitation process through substance and alcohol abuse. And we launched a life group there on Tuesday night. There were about 25 people there. And I just thought, God, God, how do you speak about alcohol when you add all these people? But I'm telling you, you can only speak it in the context of freedom. If you speak of it in any other context, I'm telling you, put stuff on people. I know, because I've had it done to me. With well-meaning hearts and great people. And I have a huge heart for freedom, but it's the freedom he prescribes. And just a couple of things, some framework. Jesus drank wine on his time on the earth. Matthew 26, Luke 7. Jesus turned water to wine. Paul tells Timothy to drink a little wine for his tummy. Bible, go read it. 1 Timothy 5, 23. But there, the Bible does speak about the dangers of overdrinking. It says, actually, the Bible condemns overdrinking and drunkenness. Thus, a Christian who chooses to drink alcohol would or should do so with moderation. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 2. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. And the Bible says, there will be circumstances and times for complete abstinence. If others would stumble by it, Romans 14, verse 21. If drinking alcohol violates the law of the land, Romans 13, verse 1. A 12-year-old drinking alcohol. Or drinking alcohol if you work in a Middle East country. Just telling you. If a person cannot control his drinking, those who suffer from alcoholism, other forms of alcohol abuse or addiction, Matthew 5, 29, 30, should not and should abstain. How can I say all of this? Well, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Alcohol is not the issue. My heart surrendered to God and being led by the Spirit of God in all things is always the issue. So let me present a couple scenarios, and I'm going to read it, because some of you are looking at me very seriously. How can drinking alcohol be, circum be a circumcision for us? Well, just like circumcision, it's culturally accepted or not accepted, depending on your culture. If you've got a religious church culture, it'd be not accepted. If you've got a different culture, and even in the church, it's widely accepted. It's something we choose to do or not do. You have a choice. No one forces you. And there's an outward expression, but the issue is it's a real heart of motivation. So could this be a freedom issue for you? So for those who say, I don't drink. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Their freedom is at stake if there is some kind of religious pride attached to it and not just responding to the Spirit. I don't drink. I'm so much like Jesus. Well, I've just shown you not. <laughs> just telling you. Why? Because actually when it's pride, it's about me. And the whole of Galatians is saying, it's not about you. It's about him. We are presenting ourselves somehow, freedom is at stake, we're presenting ourselves as somehow superior to others. Well, I'm one of those really high Christians because I don't drink alcohol. And I'm not saying I've encountered this here. I'm preaching because I think it's a contextual issue. Or we don't believe in drinking or we believe not drinking leads to somehow greater freedom somehow. 
Here's the kicker. We tell people not to drink in the church. It'll keep them free from a devastating, they don't know the word I've walked. So we tell them, you cannot drink. Please let me present you a concept. You can't take someone from one chain, which is the potential chain of drinking in their life potentially, and link them to another chain called legalism and expect them to find freedom. They just got another chain on. And why put new chains on old prisoners? We can't do that. God's called us to be free. It is a devastating habit for some. Been in the homes of alcoholics and beaten and bruised. I've been in their homes. It's devastating. But I can't put a chain on another person. I would say that freedom is at stake if we do drink. But we go too far and it's drunkenness. And it's our wife looking at us across the room. And it's breaking the law of the land like one drink if you're driving. It's not my law, it's his, it's the land's law. The Spirit of God is one of the fruits of self-control. When we lose that, we're not operating, we're operating in the flesh. We're partnering with the flesh. The law of the land and freedom of drinking is not the issue. I would say and I would question, I would, I would challenge, how do you use your freedom and how you use your influence? And I get scared when, when Christians, it's all about Facebook and it's all about my ability and my freedom to have alcohol on Facebook contact you when people aren't there with you and not able to witness your story. Understand you have influence and your influence is for him, not for yourself. It's not just the pastor's job to watch, the people are watching, it's everyone. I want to give one story of my life navigating this. I loved Jesus when I was 15 years old. I fell in love with Jesus. But I was very small. <laughs> I'm over-exaggerating. I was tiny, and I lived with major small man syndrome, and I wanted people to like me. I'm just telling you, that's my journey. And then I encountered this thing where we could go out together. But I was a Christian boy, and I walked, and I wanted to live Jesus, so I, I, I started to straddle the journey, and I'm out drawing with my mates. But please understand also, I'm an extrovert of the nth. So I would go out with my mates, and when I was 19, I encountered this scenario. I'd go out with my mates, I'd have one drink on a night of dancing for six hours. I would have one drink. But when MP came on, it's just, there's something happens to me when MP comes on. And when I was 19 and MP came on, I found myself rolling across dance floors that were dirty and littered with glass. I would do this MP thing that came out of me. It was a lot of fun. It was a 19-year-old having fun. But here was the challenge. I see my mates the next day and say, yes, you were so smashed, you were rolling across the floor. I'm like, no, I did that for fun. Nah, no one would ever do that for fun. No one would ever. No, I promise you, I had one beer. Nah. And then I had to go back to the caverns of my heart and say, what do I want to live for? I want to live for Jesus. And at 19, for a period of about two years, I didn't drink. I didn't tell anyone. Sometimes the shooter came at a rugby club thing where they, you had to do it with whoop, fire on the wall behind you. Like. <laughs> Why? It's not about my story. It's about your story. Why? Because there is a law of love that leads to greater freedom. It's the law that imparted in Jesus as he gave his life. And actually, I don't live for myself and I don't live for my freedoms. And my greatest journey is not to pioneer and fight for my freedom. My greatest journey is to fight for the freedom I find in him. It's incredible. 
See, I was free to not, and I'm telling you, I'm free to have a glass of wine with my friends here. I've had a glass of wine with friends here. Please understand that we have to have compassion for those in our midst who are journeying this thing. But I want to make a couple of statements. Freedom equals the law of love, where others are big in our walk to freedom. Alcohol is just one hot topic. There are many. There are many of these things in the church, guys. I want to say two more things. What am I saying? Be careful. We all have the opportunity to fall off the bus either side. Legalism or licentiousness. We all have a propensity to default or fall to one or the other. All of us, myself included. There is only one judge, but there are many watching. There is only one true guide, the Holy Spirit, but there are many watching that journey. We've got to be careful not to put old new chains on old slaves. The gospel didn't take someone out of one form of slavery and put them into another. The gospel took them out of slavery and put them into freedom. Jesus doesn't give us freedom so we can live selfishly. Freedom that chases passions. He allows us to live the life, the way of heaven, which is love. So if you're sitting here today and you're on a journey away from alcohol and into freedom, I will run with you on that journey. But the destination is Jesus. The destination is not a rule, a registration, a legislation. It's Jesus. The destination is always Jesus. Jesus plus nothing. Can we close our eyes for a second? I, I really wish I didn't have to rush through that, but I pray, Spirit of God, you are here with us. You're leading us, guiding us. You're calling us on journeys of maturity. And I pray for every heart here. If you are wrestling this today and you are cross with me for other side of the story, please don't be cross with me. Please go to God. Please go to the scriptures. Please work. Please go on a journey of maturity in him. And find your place in that story. Please, please, please. Please understand that Jesus died for one thing, to set you free. To set people who had no way to the Father to enter that relationship. And in that relationship, there is freedom. He breaks chains. He breaks heaven. He breaks. I heard a testimony of depression this week. Thank you, God, where depression was broken in a moment after 10 years of medication. Thank you, Jesus. Do it again, Jesus. Break alcoholism in our midst. Change the statistics in our area. Please, Jesus. Please, Jesus. Let us be a part of that change. And God, I pray, would you write the law of love on our hearts? Because we don't want to do religion. We want to live lives that lead to life. And others can follow. We give you all the praise. All the glory.